0: You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Chad Kennedy, Group Product Manager for DAT. Rate shift as dynamically as the market does, so it's important for shippers to have some benchmarks in place to navigate it as cleanly and cheaply as possible. However, that requires investing a lot of time and focus on top of simply getting the job done right. So where can they go to manage all the information they need? Chad Kennedy, Group Product Manager at DAT Freight & Analytics, joins us to highlight some ways for businesses to get the most out of the data game. Joining me today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast is Chad Kennedy, Group Product Manager for DAT Freight & Analytics. Chad, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: That's great to have you, Chad. If uh, you could, I'd like to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Give us a little bit of info on uh, your background in the industry and what you're doing with DAT today.
1: Sure. So I'm a group product manager at DAT. Uh, so uh, I work most closely with shippers currently, um, and and most of my history has been with with shippers throughout my career. I I started out in transportation, working for a, a small trucking company. Um, I tell friends that I, I married into a trucking company. I, I'm not sure if that was marrying up or down, but it's <laughs> gonna be it. Um so so yeah, my my wife's family second generation trucking company started out there dispatching customer service, went through a management training program there as I worked through my MBA. And so that was Gene High trucking. They sold to Link America, who I think maybe has sold to Arnold since then. I'm not sure. Um and so about the time of the acquisition, um, I made a move over to CHEP the blue pallet company. If you've seen those blue pallets in the supply chain mm-hmm. um, and I uh, was with CHEP for about nine years in the transportation department as director of transportation there overseeing the transportation procurement carry relations and that sort of thing. I was a customer of Chainalytics uh, and, and uh, Transcore. It was known at the time, also DAT now products. And um, so I, I made a move over to Chainalytics in uh, 2018. Um, so It's been about five years now, um, and Chainalytics spun off our department, which was a product department servicing shippers uh, primarily, um, and and we sold to DAT about two and a half years ago. Um, So I've been with DAT about two and a half years, five years in in, in this role, um, helping shippers analyze their uh, procurement data and analytics in that space.
0: Excellent. Uh, with all of that uh, relevant experience, uh, I'm going to ask you to give me an assessment of the current market trends and uh, give me an idea of where uh, we can expect them to go.
1: Yeah. So um, to, to set the stage for current market trends, I, I typically uh, like to frame up you know the history that we've been through. At DAT, we collect a lot of contribution data from shippers, so they submit that data to us uh, weekly or daily. Um, and we we aggregate that data and, and we help them analyze the, the cost trends uh, that we see in the marketplace. Um, transportation, as you know, is a very boom and bust cycle of, of freight cost. Um, it's, it's supply and demand driven. Um, it's a very fragmented industry. Um, so like economics 101, it's, it's very competitive. When supply gets tight um, or demand goes up, rates rates follow pretty quickly. Um, and so we see that classic boom and bust cycle in the rates. Um, it's about a two to three year cycle uh, where we see rates go up. So we had a 2018 peak and, and most recently a 2022 peak. Um, so we're entering a, a trough phase in that cycle right now, and, and rates are getting getting soft. And and these these peaks are getting worse and worse. So as we look at year over year inflation for our shippers. Um, and this may sound a little different than if you're a, a carrier or a broker, and you're thinking about how you've given rate increases to a specific shipper or a specific lane. But but when shippers are procuring, they have a mix of spot and contract freight. That's that's usually about twenty percent spot and eighty percent contract, somewhere around there, depending on the shipper. Um, and that mix uh, and how that moves over time plays into that significantly. Um, so if we look back, all shippers. Uh, taking into account that mix and the rates, it's all about a 6% uh, rate increase um, and during that inflationary period. In 2018, that doubled to, to 12%. And now uh, looking back at 2021, it was around 23% inflation. So, so these, these increases are getting worse and worse, but at least over the last three that we've seen. Um, we're seeing some pretty significant decreases right now. And we look back at February um and and current month to date March, um, we're looking at about 20% decreases year over year per month. Um so so that's kind of how the the market has been uh trending historically um and and the current state that we see.
0: All right. Uh from those historical trends, are there new trends that you're seeing uh post pandemic, uh, you know, today in 2023 and and, and going forward?
1: Yeah, there are so you know those decreases that I just mentioned twenty percent uh, year over year monthly decreases are pretty significant. Now there's a little bit of uh, base effect in that, right? So as we look back at January, February, March of 2022, that was kind of the peak of the market. So rates started to come back down um, about April of 2022. So we're 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 starting to compare to that peak. So that'll start to calm down a little bit. We are seeing shippers regulate their bids to being less frequent. Um, so during the pandemic, we saw a pretty significant increase in the amount of bid activity that shippers were, were working through. There were a couple things going on there, right? So as the capacity was so tight and routing guides were leaking, um, meaning carriers weren't meeting uh, the commitments that maybe they had made in a bid. and so uh, they, they, the shippers would need to take that lane back out to bid. Uh, so a lot more mini bid activity. Um, we survey our shippers and, and we got a lot of feedback from our shippers during that 2022 timeframe that mini bid activity was up significantly. That's starting to calm down. Some shippers are starting to settle back down into their, their annual bid cycle and less of that mini bid activity, which is a bit of a relief for them. Um, and they're getting that good routing guide compliance. There's, Carriers that make commitments and RFPs are are meeting those commitments. We see that in our data as well. So one interesting trend that we're seeing is that mix of spot and contract that I mentioned before. So in the long run, shippers that are managing transportation typically see spot as a bad thing. Um, Most of the time, spot rates are higher than than contract rates. There are these periods of time uh, like we're in right now and over the last several months where spot rates have been lower than contract rates. And this creates an interesting opportunity for shippers to work through carefully on how they procure their freight, um, and if they are going to maintain uh, commitments to, to RFPs and, and keep that regular carrier on a lane, or if they're going to you know, go out to the short-term market and, and send some, some of their, their freight out to the spot market. We're seeing a little bit of increase in that, which is a new trend in our data, Uh, So if I look back at the trough that we saw um, in like 16, 17, about nine, only 9% of freight was in the spot market. And then if we look at 2019, after the 18 peak, uh, about 11%, we saw a slight tick up during that trough period. And now here we are in in, uh, late 2022 and, and early 2023 in this trough uh, of of rates. And and we're seeing still 16% of freight um, in that spot market. To make that uh, a good relative comparison, during 2021, 2022, shippers were around 20 to 23% of their volume on irregular rates um, or spot freight. So we are seeing shippers uh, do some things a little bit more strategically around spot procurement. one of those trends that we're seeing is this direct connect via API to some brokers. So what we hear from shippers right now is you know they'll they'll put these direct connect API carriers or brokers into their routing guide. So the first tender may go to the carrier that was awarded the lane and if that carrier doesn't accept that load, uh, it'll go straight to this API, which is a quick mini bid activity. So it will reach out to three or four uh, API-connected brokers. They'll immediately send back a rate, and the shipper tenders to the lowest-cost carrier. So that that creates a little bit more uh, real-time downward pressure on rates, and we're seeing a little bit more of that activity. It's important to note, because one of the common things that we see during this period of time, or what a, a shipper manager might hear from general management is, I hear spot rates are low, we should put all of our freight into spot rates. Um the these these rates are really limited to typically live trailer load or live trailer unload or on both ends, right? And so when a shipper's shipping a consistent lane, um, which is the majority of the volume that we have in our data on the shipper side, so about 80% of the volume that we see on our data is running on regular route uh freight. So it's running you know weekly or at least every other week. Um, so that that's difficult to procure in spot because that was typically going to require a drop trailer and your small mom and pop carriers um, just aren't going to desire to to drop a trailer there many of them are one truck one trailer so they're looking for that long haul uh typically broad brush um drop uh, live load freight so so typically these drop trailer lanes are are reserved for those asset based providers that, have a large trailer pool. Now, we'll caveat that with we have seen more and more of this drop trailer activity handled by uh, brokers, but not in spot activity. It's typically in as, as contract.
0: And speaking of those caveats, uh, what are some of the common misunderstandings uh, that you observe in the industry? Uh, maybe misnomers, uh, things like that.
1: Yeah, so so the spot one that I just mentioned is it is a really common one. You know, when when we get to the point where you're seeing Wall Street Journal. Uh, or New York Times headlines that talk about low spot rates, general management that may, may, may not be as in tuned into the transportation procurement industry um, may make that, that quick assumption that, well, oh, we could get significant savings. Um, that sort of thing doesn't really pan out well for shippers in the long run, because that, as I mentioned earlier, the majority of the time in the long run, spot rates are higher than contracts. And you don't want to get yourself in a position where you don't have those contract partnerships in place, so that's one that I would just revisit. Another one is what uh, a coworker of mine, Chris Kaplis, refers to in this industry as as not economies of scale, but economies of scope. So economies of scale meaning you know the largest shipper gets the lowest rates in the in the industry. Uh, we don't really see that play out, and this is some pressure that a typical transportation manager might might receive. And you know sometimes I've seen it play out like during acquisition or we we've acquired another company we have more freight now so we should get lower lower rates when we purchase freight we don't typically see that the economies of scope that we see is that lane level economy so if you're you know carriers when they're looking to secure their capacity for a shipper they're looking for something consistent typically and so they'll they'll provide their lowest rates that lowest contract rate On something that they can plan around, that's going to run uh, weekly uh, or at minimum every other week, uh, but ideally at least weekly. I mean, the ideal scenario is, you know, you're going to pick up every day two or sorry every Tuesday at two p.m. and drop off at five p.m. uh, the next day, and it's scheduled, right? So that's that's like your lowest cost, everything else being equal. So I would say that economies of scale is a is a is a top one on the list uh, that we talk through with our shippers and kind of help them frame that communication up to senior management. Another one that we see that, I don't know if this is necessarily a misnomer, but one of the things that transportation managers work through is how much they pay in fuel versus how much they're paying in line haul. Um, So a typical shipper contract will will, uh, be for a line haul rate. And then they'll have accessorials that they pay for for ad hoc uh, activity, um, and and then they'll have a, a fuel surcharge program. And typically, that's going to come to you know something like fifty or sixty cents per mile, and it's variable. It's based on the 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 um, the retail price of fuel most typically. There's some other programs out there though, and so what shippers can sometimes work with is if I pay a little bit less in fuel, what does that do to my line haul rate? Um, or in other words do I do I pay less in total cost And what we've seen in our data is we we haven't proven out that by paying less in fuel carriers always give a line haul rate increase so so we we haven't been able to disprove that what we have proven in our data is if you make large significant changes in your fuel surcharge program carriers typically take notice and adjust that line haul cost and their total cost is going to be the same one of those, Practices might be to take the fuel surcharge from what we refer to as a peg, um, or assuming like maybe a dollar twenty uh, per gallon in the line haul cost, and shippers will try to carve that out and say um, there's no fuel in my line haul cost; it's all in a fuel surcharge program. So where I mentioned that fifty cent per mile, they may be paying a dollar per mile or something like that. When, when you see really significant shifts like that. Carriers take notice and they change their total cost that they're charging to a shipper. A couple others that you know are, are notable mentions that shippers have to work through with senior management is payment terms. So it's a common request that shippers get the question, let's see, can I extend my payment terms from 30 days to, to 90 days? Um, this is typically coming from the CFO. They're trying to manage their cash well and be good stewards of that. We see a pretty clear correlation where if you extend your terms, you're going to pay higher rates. Um, and we've tested this out with, with customers in, in bid scenarios, too, and, and proven that out. So that just stands to reason. And, and typically, the, the feedback we get from our, our shippers is this is something that is pretty easily communicated back to the CFO. But nonetheless, they also tell us that this is a reoccurring request. <laughs> the question comes from the CFO um, about every year or or, or more frequently. Um, as they're trying to manage that that cash.
0: All right, you've got into it a little bit. You've called out a few things. I'm going to ask you to expand a little bit more on on the data and analytics. Um, what does that mean specifically in this context? And what kind of data points really matter?
1: Yeah. So for for our customers, um, we're helping them analyze what they pay for freight. And so as I mentioned before, we're receiving uh, shipper contributed data. From carriers, from brokers, from shippers, we have about 150 billion dollars of annual freight spend that we receive annually from from these three parties. A portion of that is from shippers, um, and like I said, they're sending it daily or weekly. We take that data and we build uh, models out of that to to tell them or predict what a lane rate should cost. And this is a this is a this is a big problem for shippers, right? Because if you have a dynamic network, if you're spending you know, half a billion or a billion or even 100 million or 50 million in freight spend, you've got hundreds, if not thousands of lanes. And when I say lane, I mean, from one zip code to another zip code, right? And as you think about procurement, each one of those really represents uh, a unique SKU um, or a unique um, item that you're trying to purchase from your suppliers with a unique price, so every combination and it's not purely distance there's a supply and demand component there right so what i mean by that is you can have the same distance from from uh, lakeland florida to atlanta georgia and and then the reverse same distance right but completely different cost um coming back southbound will be double the price so so for you know that's one simple example but when you're looking at thousands of lanes and and you have maybe a network optimization team or a supply chain optimization team that wants to answer the question, where do I put my next uh, plant or DC? We're able to take these regression models that we build and, and provide them all the data they need to make those types of decisions. So, so that's the supply chain optimization example, but there's also the procurement example. So if I'm procuring freight for 2000 lanes, how do I know if I'm getting a good rate or not? The, the procurement activity itself, the RFP process, can can often help inform very well in that process, whether you're getting a good rate or not. One of the challenges there with that is this is such a fragmented industry. I think it's something like over 95% of carriers have less than 10 trucks or something like that. So there, there's very few, very large trucking companies that can bring a lot of capacity. And those are signed on with all the major shippers just about. But to get like the the true market rate of what the market with all capacity available will yield is is difficult in an RFP. So being informed with an outside data source to say, I'm procuring this lane with this amount of volume, um, what is the rate I should be paying on that? Having that benchmark is really critical in making that decision process. So they can do this in mass. And we also provide back to our customers um, around the analytics of that, very high level analytics. So we can tell them how their rates have compared to our benchmark over time. And and that can help them prove out benefit of an RFP, right? So, you know, if you think of a trend line on how your rates are trending up and down um, and and versus a benchmark, um, as all these lanes are changing, thousands of lanes are changing, you can pinpoint the point at which you rolled out an RFP and see that immediate benefit there and help communicate that internally. Can also help find, you know, alerts. when when cost goes up, so if you've got thousands of lanes, you've got commitments with carriers. Um, those commitments are not always met. Transportation procurement is a very interesting thing as far as uh, these awards um, and these commitments. And when we use the word contract, it's it's a little different in transportation. So these contracts, so to speak, are often binding in rate but not in volume. Right. So they they're going to run the load for this rate if they run that load. Now, there can be some long-term consequences if they don't run all the loads that they committed to, right? They'll get replaced with another carrier. But um you know, helping to identify a carrier's fallen off of a lane. I've gone down to my second or third or fourth awarded carrier, and my costs have gone up on this lane. This type of uh, benchmarking analytics can help alert shippers of that type of slippage um, in their routing guides and identify need to, procure new types of capacity on that lane. So everything that I just talked about I think about it in two levels. There's the the high level analytics, the senior management reporting. Here's my total book of business and how I'm procuring transportation over time and here's how everyone else is procuring transportation over time so that basic benchmarking at a very high level senior management reporting. And then there's the other side of it is the very tactical Uh, root cause analysis, and alerts. I've got a lane that's starting to cause routing guide slippage. I need to procure new rates on it, go action that. I know what rate in the marketplace I should be able to get to, that sort of thing.
0: Now, when businesses are are navigating those levels and they're looking at all this information, uh, in in this current market, are there data points that matter more so than others?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that we have a few that that we use primarily. Reporting out the the rate per mile trend of all shippers uh, of the data that we receive versus, you know, any one customer and they can make that comparison. That's that's a highly interpretable uh, data point that they can show to senior management to communicate, you know, in 2022, when we saw that 23 percent rate inflation, um, communicate that back to senior management. Right. So that's a that's a key uh, data point that they'll want to be able to share with senior management. We we also have the benchmarking approach, right? So my rates were 2% above or below everyone else's during 2023 or 2022 um, and see that trend over time. That's a key measure. Another key data point that shippers are monitoring is how much of my freight is in the spot market. In my prior life uh, as a shipper, spot market was a very challenging thing. Not only does it cost a lot, but it causes a lot of manual processing internally for a shipper. Um, You you have people monitoring a a load board at a shipper and making awards and that sort of thing. That that takes time and effort. So reducing that can help uh, with that overhead expense. So we monitor very closely how much of our freight was in the spot market last week. And having a benchmark for that is critical because if you have that tick up, uh, being able to measure how, you know, and in volume, being able to compare that to everyone else's uh, during the same time period is, is really helpful from a benchmarking perspective. I'll hit on one more real quick if I could. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the the last data point I would really highlight is the forecasting. That's really really critical. And I think there's a there's a, a data science side of forecasting, and then there's the the softer side of it. So we have a forecast report um, that's generated by Enam Ayub and, and Chris Kaplis, um, two PhDs on our staff. And they do a really nice job of putting this together. Um, and, and it forecasts out what spot rates are predicted to do over the next 12 months and what contract rates are predicted to do over the next 12 months. Taking that information with your historical benchmarking, your historical inflation reporting that I just mentioned, putting that all together can be critical in creating your forecast. And then the softer side of that that I mentioned is, for example, we host a, a monthly shipper roundtable, um, and, and we'll get somewhere around 100 of our customers on a call and we'll, we'll talk about these types of things. What, and we'll, we'll survey them and get good uh, data back from them on that. When, when do you expect the market to turn? And what we're hearing, just a, a sneak peek on that is, you know most are expecting the market to turn in Q3, Q4. Um, that's about what our forecast is predicting as well. So those are the primary data points there that that I would say a shipper would need to manage by.
0: All right, speaking of shippers uh, and the market turning, uh, take us back out of the weeds then and uh, what can shippers do right now to tighten up costs or, or secure some reliable capacity before the market does turn again?
1: Yeah, so there's a there's a few things. Um, right now, this is um, the most popular uh, bid implementation season. So we see that in our data. The largest percentage of freight um, starts rolling out on new awarded bids in, in March and April. Many bids right now can be helpful as networks are adjusting. You might start to notice right now as you know these really large shippers are making awards and starting to implement on those that you might start to get some routing guide leakage as carriers are making commitments to other shippers, that sort of thing. So monitoring that leakage, monitoring your cost change over time, making sure that your carriers are are holding to their commitments is is really, really critical um, in this soft market. Being able to tell where spot market rates are lower than the contract rates that you're running um, and having visibility to that real time is really key. So the real time component of that's important because Spot market rates change a lot from week to week by nature of what they are, um, short-term lane rates. So, being able to monitor that and 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 keep a pulse on that and manage the that usage of spot is is really really key. So, I think good good RFP management and then good tactical lane rate management in this soft season. You know, one of the things we hear from shippers is carrier partnership. Right, they're really trying to secure those partnerships, trying to make sure that their carriers that they work the closest with, their core carrier. We hear this strategy a lot, that that they have a core uh, number of carriers that they work with that they consider their strategic partners, making sure that those partnerships are in a good place right now and and that those carriers don't feel like they're getting too much taken away from them during these types of of cycle can be really important because the market will turn, right? Um, It it will go back and we will have rate increases in the future. So being prepared for that now is is really, really important. One thing a shipper might do is look at their fuel surcharge program. If you are going to change your fuel surcharge program, a soft market's a really good time to do that. Um, I noticed, I I know that I mentioned the data that we've seen behind carriers' responses to that. But if you are going to make the change uh, and pay a little less in fuel, which really assumes Greater efficiencies from the carriers, right? So these fuel surcharge programs have a a miles per gallon assumption in them. So so like if you're assuming a five mile per gallon assumption, it might be time to take a look at that and say, hey, we think our partners are getting more efficient. We're gonna we're gonna ratchet that up to six miles per gallon. Um, now might be a good time to analyze something like that. So those are some of the things that we hear that shippers are doing right now to during this soft market.
0: All right. Now, when it comes to uh, approaching rate negotiations on RFPs, uh, obviously shippers need to do their homework. So, what are uh, a few things that uh, you would tell them to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, making sure you don't take those lanes that you're below a benchmark out to market. So, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the common pitfalls of an RFP is whoops, I just got higher rates, um, and I've told them I'm going to make an award. So making sure you're taking your, your highest cost lanes compared to, uh, you know, what we refer to as market or benchmark, I use those interchangeably. Um, You want to target those lanes, Um, those lanes that are under market, you you know, there's typically a really good fit there, right? It's a great fit for the carrier. It's a great fit for the shipper. Um, The carrier has got a really efficient operation around that lane. And often those can be handled if, uh, rather than taking them out to RFP, it can be handled with a conversation. So targeting those lanes and handling them differently um, can be helpful. Sometimes, you know, as they're they're thinking about um, going out to RFP, having those conversations with your strategic partners too about about what you're planning to do and how much of their freight could be impacted by that. Um, and sometimes. Um, you know, that can go into a a one-off negotiation, right? You may get an offer from a carrier that, hey, rather than taking the set of lanes out to business, we would like to just offer you an X percent reduction in in lane rate cost on those lanes. Um, So so that can be a strategy that some deploy. I I know we've seen that also in the reverse when markets tighten, um, rather than putting all your lanes into an RFP, going to some strategic partners and saying, "You know, would you be willing to give me x percent increase instead of having to take all this out to bid? Some of that can mitigate disruption in the whole supply chain, too, right. This whole RFP process of shippers taking their their whole network out to bid can be really disruptive to the carrier network. So these carriers are always trying to eliminate empty miles, match up these lanes from multiple shippers. And changing out carriers on lanes is is expensive to the whole supply chain. So, working with those strategic partners, making sure you're taking the the right lanes out to bid, um, and analyzing those appropriately, I think those things are key.
0: That's a wealth of great information there, uh, Chad. Where can we send the audience if they want to get uh, a few more data points from uh, from you?
1: Yeah. So they can hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, Chad Kennedy, you'll find me there. Um, And then also uh, dat.com slash shippers. Uh, If you go to that URL, you'll be able to get more information about us.
0: Fantastic. That link will be in the show notes. Chad Kennedy, again, thank you so much for your time today. I wish you the best of luck there at DAT. Have a great day.
1: Thank you. You too. My pleasure.
0: Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game.